Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a miracle made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not like getting too hot or too cold or whatever, you know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it like doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made, come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today, you'll get 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30 day money back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Fake the Nation, episode 293. Hey folks, Nagin Farsad here with a quick note at the top of the show. Uh, we recorded on Wednesday and actually did a segment on the Ukraine. We've since had to take that segment out because of the tragic events in the Ukraine that happened mere hours after we recorded. Um, so I just want to let you know that if you hear any residual uh, references to the Ukraine, um, we had no idea what was about to happen. Uh, and our hearts go out to everyone who is affected. Hello, hello, this is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about culture, and where we act like we have really healthy relationships with our phones. I'm your host, Nagin Farsad, and oh my god, my phone is on airplane mode right now, like don't even worry about it. Today, we're going to get into the recent kerfuffle over Biden's drug strategy, the stupid and embarrassing launch of Truth Social, and what flexible work hours mean for women. Spoiler, it isn't great. Today, I am joined, oh my God, by the most amazing panel. You, you guys have no idea what you're in store for. Joining us for the very first time, but not, not for the first time in my face, I have, I have been joined by her face before (laughs) (laughs) because we've been on wait wait don't tell me together she was so fun oh my god but you know her as a writer and a comedian from late night with seth myers it is the fabulous hilarious and delightful karen chi hey karen Hey, 
I'm so excited to join faces with you again. <laughs> yes, face joining. That's what we call it. That's what we call yeah. it. That's what everybody calls it. That's the term. Um, and also joining us, uh, you know, he's, I mean, at this point, a veteran of Fake the Nation. He's been on. I mean, he's so, he's also just beloved, hilarious political commentator, but also generally hilarious person of America. I would say that from shows like Pod Save America and from shows like Love It or Leave It, in which he is the grand poobah of. I'm having so many grammatical issues today. <laughs> Folks, it is the one and only John Lovett. Hey, John. Oh, hello. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for that lovely intro. Wow. <laughs> like I made you blush and raise your eyebrows at the same time. A grand poobah of, uh, yeah, Mm -hmm. that's, uh, again, these are just words that everyone uses to describe Mm -hmm. things in America today. And before we get into the show, I just want to remind people that you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad for just the cost of one uh, decaf American latte with oat milk a month. You get bonus episodes of the show. It is remarkable. And plus many other bon- uh, bonus things at other levels. So check out patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad. And for folks in Indianapolis, I'm going to be in India- Indianapolis on March 1st. I'm going to be in Indy. Come out and see me at IUPUI. Info is on my website and I'll be tweeting it out. So please, um, if you are in town, I would love to Love to see you. With that, we shall get into it with topic number one. Um, Okay, so we're just going to start with a little quiz. Um, Marco Rubio said this on Twitter, quote, Biden is sending free meth and crack pipes to minority communities in the name of racial equity. Um, And your quiz, uh, Karen and John, today is, is Rubio's claim true? And I just want to remind you both that he is a seated U.S. senator of the U.S. Okay, so (laughs) (laughs) is Biden sending out crack pipes to vulnerable Americans? What say you? Wait, hold on. Do John and I have to take opposite answers? <laughs> Do we have to yes. debate? You go first okay. and we will take opposite answers. I, I guarantee it. Yeah, yeah. Opposite answers, please. Mm-hmm. John, I'm going to go with false. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, I, uh, yeah, I guess I can't really disagree. I think it is false. <laughs> I will, I look. <laughs> It's definitely false on a go forward basis. Uh, I feel like it's it's I feel like this is one of those uh, debunked things that's a little bit under debunked, like mm. the position. You know what I mean? Like it's like debunked, okay. but it's under debunked because. No. By the way, I feel like that you're also pitching a TV show called Under Debunked right now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I think there's two kinds of debunked things in our modern yeah. media noisy landscape. One are true debunkings and others are kind of under debunked debunkings and this is sort of an under debunked debunkings because a lot of what the debunkies are saying is the way in which it's being framed is wrong and certainly going forward i think that this is going to be something that the biden administration doesn't want to fight about but of course the 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 best answer is uh, of course we're trying to reduce harm by by uh making sure people who are uh using these dangerous and illegal substances are doing it uh, in a way that brings the least amount of suffering and disease and hardship. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's not the world we live in. <laughs> so the world we live in is that there is a program called the Harm Reduction Program. Mm. And 
the idea is that just to give a little comparison, the reason why the harm reduction program was even conceived is because nearly 500,000 people died from overdose involving any opioid, including prescription illicit opioids. Over 100,000 drug user drug overdose deaths occurred in the 12 months leading up to April 2021, compared to 500,000 people dying of those same things from 1999 to 2019. Oh, wow. So, like, the numbers are, like, bananas. And then here's just a little sub-note on that. 7.49% of all nationwide overdose uh, deaths occur in Florida, with a death rate of 25.5 deaths out of every 100,000 residents, which is 23% above the national death rate. Just a side note about how Florida has an especially big problem. Um insert your florida jokes here but the 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 the, this is the need right is that there's just a crazy increase in opioid overdoses and so the biden administration came in with you know a harm reduction program they got 30 million dollars and this newspaper called the why i think it's called the washington free beacon you know wrote a story that was like biden's gonna send crack pipes to minorities or whatever and then that's what marco rubio decided to then post about on twitter that claim has been debunked because he's not sending crack pipes um the idea is really to send um things that will stop people from dying um so i guess uh and then the thing with the crack pipes is that there are smoking kits involved in the money allocation and those smoking kits in are, are for example like rubber mouthpiece or like little fucking handy yeah. wipes do you know what i mean to like Not, make your yeah there's also I, like a testing kit right that to show how much of like a certain drug is actually in there versus what you're told so that you know what so you're that you know consuming. that oh this is all fentanyl or whatever right. yeah 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 yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Sorry, you were going to say, John, you had an exasperated look on your face. Well, I mean, look, I, I, I think this is sometimes when um, there's a kind of we are so accustomed to our job being to debunk. Like, yes, everything you said is right. We are not sending crack pipes. That is a uh, um, that is a incredible, unfair exaggeration that I think is such an exaggeration. I think you can call it a lie and and like obviously they're adding their racial lens on it because um that's the only prescription they have uh for their glasses uh but so but like this is a program to reduce harm uh, Mm um and to give people uh the supplies they need to use these drugs in a way that is less harmful to them we shouldn't Mm -hmm. be bashful about that we shouldn't be trying to debunk that we should be explaining why that's a good thing and like there is we are so accustomed to a kind of like anta- like to an expected antagonism from Republicans and an assumption that it's effective that instead of defending the policy we call it a lie and sure on an important ways it's a lie but the the aspects they're exaggerating are almost beside the point and a lot of these Republicans I think in the service of debunking what we're not doing is is pointing out like hold on a second as you demagogue this issue as like Tom Kahn introduces bills to to stop government from sending drug paraphernalia, he is somebody that has recognized the value of needle exchange. Mike Pence is someone who is famous for failing to stop an HIV crisis 
uh, because he refused to support uh, needle exchange until he himself came around to it because he was persuaded by the people in his community desperate to stop a scourge that he was until that time allowing to pro- proliferate. So, you know, there's a version of this debate that's less about the, f- the, the exact fact <laughs> of what is in the kit and more an attack on the, 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 the inhumanity of the position of these Republicans. That, mm-hmm. That's what I meant by it's being under debunked. Yeah, no, that's and and that's exactly great because Marco Rubio doesn't want to say I don't want to support harm reduction p- measures that will save lives. That's the statement he would have to make in mm-hmm. it, you know, and he's not going to say that. So instead, he's going to say this crazy other thing to get people against the policy. So then it leads us to say, um, no, like it's it's like things that measure how much fentanyl is in the but like we then have to be really specific and talk about all the, the things, the, the debunking. Exactly. And then in the process of debunking we lose sight of the fact that we're the point of the program is to save lives right because there's a there's a bunch of you know and i guess i mean karen like because i can imagine my parents who are fervent democrats but i can imagine them being like why would we give syringes to you know to drug addicts that's like enabling so i i can see that this still it could be an issue and hard to you know talk about um, with my parents. So what would you say to my parents? <laughs> First of all, I would say hi. You did a great job raising your daughter. I would definitely suck up to them. Um, <laughs> no, but this issue reminds me so much. It feels very parallel to that of um, like sex ed in high schools and like uh-huh. giving out yeah, condoms right. to students yeah, because yeah, yeah. I still feel like there's a huge argument made by a lot of people in conservative states where like if you hand out condoms to teenagers you're essentially giving them permission to bone like you're encouraging teenagers to bone whereas actually it's saying like we're just trying to reduce teen pregnancies and to have safe sex and to you know not get sick um and that feels like the same thing where it's like a, a lot of it your end goal if your end goal is to make it zero that's pretty much impossible so your end goal should be to try and save as many lives as possible in which case here's this thing and and if I were talking to your parents I would say I know this might sound kind of backwards to you <laughs> but if we're thinking of the end result which is to save as many lives as possible and to you know keep as many people from being harmed um this is what we would have to do and you kind of have to work backwards I think rather than start with we're sending out syringes to people right right yeah. right 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 and then By I would the way, invite them over for dinner you know no, stuff that's like that. really yeah, nice yeah, yeah. karen <laughs> and you know what they'll be there you do the evite and we'll get this shit going <laughs> um i and, and and just in an effort to to save their reputations i actually have never had this conversation with them about <laughs> about clean syringes so i actually have no idea what they would say bless their hearts they're nice people um but uh <laughs> final thoughts on this john like what do you what should we go out there I think one of the things you're particularly good at um, as a regular listener of your products um, <laughs> I, uh, I I feel like you're particularly good at being like let's reframe it like this you know when we're out there in the world having chats with my parents <laughs> yeah I mean look if I, I, I will do something halfway between cynicism and um righteousness i guess (laughs) which is what i but but actually what i what i my cynical side is saying we have to we have to kind of start from where people might be but i actually think it's not unfair to start there uh to get them to a better place and and i think to me it's like 
these drugs are a terrible scourge. They they ruin lives. They ruin lives. And we need to do everything we can to help people who are trapped in this cycle of abuse to find a path out. Uh, and that means treatment. That means uh, 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 getting them the health care they need. That means getting them the services they need. That means uh, addressing the underlying conditions in a community that led people to feel so little hope, so little regard for themselves, so little... Um, so so little sense that that the world had any respect or opportunity or desire to give them a, a path to a better kind of life that they were willing to go down this uh, 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 road of of abusing drugs and putting their own lives and health at risk. You don't do that by uh, criminalizing people. You don't do that by telling them that we so we have so little regard for their humanity, that we don't care if they get sick. We don't care if they get a communicable disease that's entirely preventable. We don't care if uh, they die on the street because we're so committed to an abstraction uh, that, that what they're doing is wrong. And if we start from there and we say, we don't believe people should be uh, using these these drugs. We don't want people using cracks. We don't want the government encouraging people to use crack. We want to find a way out. At, but that starts by recognizing you can't help somebody who's dead. You can't help somebody whose mm -hmm. life has been completely destroyed by this drug. So let's go and find a way to get these people out. And let's start by recognizing that until we find a path out for them, they're trapped. And we can either be honest about that and put aside our old-fashioned notions about about uh, 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 abstinence, as 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 you were saying, um, or we can get in there and actually do the things that the best experts in the world say make a difference, and that's what this is, something like that. That's beautiful. <laughs> I love that, um, folks. Rewind that and then memorize it, and then go say that because okay. that was that was exactly right. All right, um, we are going to take a break, and when we come back, we will continue speaking. This HeadGum Podcast is brought to you by AuraFrames. That is right. Uh, from grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an AuraFrame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, well. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these AuraFrames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an AuraFrame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there. And you know what? You can update it with an app. So every time you take a new picture of a sweet little a uh, person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A Frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. Headgum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm -hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code HEADGUM at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. 
Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Thank you to Angie for sponsoring this HeadGum podcast. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Indeed. So if you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Yeah, doing stuff yourself seems fun, but then you actually get to you know solving a problem and you realize that mm-hmm. you can create 10 more problems and then you probably should have just paid a yeah. a professional to deal with it right off the bat you can easily injure and or maim yourself as well yeah you don't want to do that no. angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process you just get the app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. It's very convenient. It sure is, folks, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. So download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Thank you, Angie. Angie.com. Thank you. We want to tell you about a podcast we think you're going to love. It's called See the Thing Is, and it's hosted by Grammy Award winning R&B artist Bridget Kelly and media personality Mandy B. Every week, Bridget Kelly and Mandy B offer grown, honest, and slightly toxic perspectives on all things music, pop culture, and of course, dating and relationships, which is my fave. Do you have a hard time finding new music? Are you a millennial who misses what life was like in the 2000s? Are you interested in multiple perspectives on relationships? and dating? Are you interested in a non-male bashing podcast that holds both sexes accountable? See, the thing is, is a podcast that allows space for a wide range of thoughts and emotions. Most recently, the ladies sat down with Big Frida and Chloe Bailey and just huge names. Van Lathan, who's one of my favorite people to listen to, to chat about movies. So the conversations they're having are phenomenal. Join Bridget and Mandy every week as they update you on everything going on in the world with their polarizing hot takes. Subscribe to See The Thing Is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or on YouTube. New episodes drop every Tuesday and Friday. And we are back and we're ready for topic number two. Here's the deal. The Truth Social, which is Trump's alternative to Twitter, um, has launched. And I basically don't want to talk about it, but we're going to not talk about it by talking about it for only a few minutes. Um, And we're going to do our best to unshine the light (laughs) on that garbage platform, uh, which is hard to do if we're actually still talking about it. But, you know, whatever, let's live in this compartmentalized world that that my brain is in right now. Uh, It was the number one app on the store when it launched um, on the Apple App Store but it had nothing but errors and delays and waiting lists and like I don't know hard people had a hard time logging in or whatever so that's most of what I know what are your feelings about Truth Social launching? Oh man I mean I think it sounds really dumb it sounds like the most (laughs) annoying version of 
Twitter, which is already, I feel like, baseline very annoying. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. So, yeah, I don't know. I think so much of uh, the conservative argument is often like that liberals are in an echo chamber. And then this feels like they've just created an echo chamber. Um, wait, but also you're frozen and I don't know if I'm the one with the issue. I see you. We're. Oh. I see you. Oh, great. Hi. Well, we're moving. We're all here, but, but, but she's frozen. You're I think frozen. we're taking over this podcast now. <laughs> yeah, it's done. Welcome to Fake the Nation with John and Karen. <laughs> Where? Nagin is gone and I have a new topic. The release of Elden Ring for PlayStation 5 on Friday. That is the remainder of the show will be focused entirely on the release of Elden Ring from Software's latest. So, um, Karen, I don't know what you said. And it doesn't matter um, because, again, we're unshining the light. Right, 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 right. Should I just make a hard pivot? (laughs) I'm just like, were you racist in those moments I was away from Zoom? Or was I'm I'm, I'm hoping. It was wild. Yeah, yeah, we were just spitting slurs. (laughs) You were gone and then something came over us. Yeah. Uh, it was horrible. It was like Mel Gibson had joined. It was something I mean, had happened. I didn't. First of all, I didn't know I had that much power. But okay. So depending on whatever it is you said, John, what are your thoughts about what Karen just said? <laughs> wow, that is why. That that is why you are the best at this. That is the. That is that is talent and hosting. At the highest level. At the highest uh, level. Here's mm-hmm. all I want to all I want to say yeah, is I think it's really cool that a that a that a truth tweet is called a truth and a retweet is called a retruth. I love that. <laughs> is that true? I think that's cool. Um, I think that they're gonna run into a oh, problem, uh-huh. which is, um, you know, I would say that like the the sum the like the effect of cable news on our brains for 30 years like turned Americans into pundits right we all became analysts we all became observers rather than participants social media the next phase of that is it turns us all into trolls and that's been especially mm-hmm. true on the right like Marco Rubio's tweet about about drug yeah. paraphernalia right. is a troll like yep. trolling is like the kind of the 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 language of republican politics especially right now well if you troll on a social network, but the but the libs aren't there to be trolled, doesn't make a sound. And I think there's something fundamentally less fun for right wing yes. super online people if they're just making fun of libtards and and making their little memes. But we're not there to be offended and sad <laughs> and crying. About it. Yeah. And so. I, I worry about these platforms. There are many of them that exist already, so it's not like we needed another one in the firmament. It won't make that big of a difference. But in general, you worry about what happens when people organize into these subgroups. They tend to radicalize. I think yeah. that's very dangerous. But that was already dangerous. We had plenty of places where that was happening. So beyond that, I just you know like to watch. Um, I like to watch the truth burn. You know. Uh, <laughs> can I can I ask you guys this question? Is the opposite true? That if all of the right wing people leave Twitter, that Twitter will suddenly become boring and maybe delightful. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. What? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no. There's a real risk that Twitter becomes boring. Um, that's a super dangerous possibility. We should all be worried about. Sorry, Karen. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say. I remember like early, like before I, fe- I in my mind before Twitter got super 
political about everything and polarizing it was like people posting pictures of their meals and like talking about yeah. i don't know the game that john just mentioned and yes, like whatever sports the fuck that and like, was yeah <laughs> and that's like what i love most about tiktok is like there are all these really wholesome like like tiktoks that are just like people reading in cozy corners or like someone knitting a scarf and i'm like this is what i want social media to be like that's what i want from the internet right. so if that happened i would be delighted by how boring that is that sounds so fun <laughs> i love tiktok for the same exact reason it's like i go on twitter and it's like an intra-left debate about trying to stop using a term that I didn't know we weren't allowed to use anymore uh, versus <laughs> TikTok where it's like, yeah, I want to see a hot guy tell me how black holes work for sure. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, for, uh, wait, you're remixing famous uh, uh, songs from NSYNC as 80s music. This is way better than uh, a debate about the future of immigration in america i can get i don't need that right now i want to watch tiktoks hot guys doing decoupage sign me up (laughs) (laughs) guys when i was in and i think i told the story on the show at some point but when i was in junior year no sophomore year of high school we did a song where we 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 did a song for the book native son (laughs) and and we did we rewrote the lyrics to the sound of silence Oh my and god! We, we changed. The, I know. Yeah, thank you. I was I was fourteen, and we um we redid those lyrics and we called the song "The Sounds of Oppression." Okay. Mm-hmm. Great. <laughs> yes, added syllables. I love and it. And we were wearing choir robes and there were candles. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Point is, um, and it was like we did we did this poetry thing about the, the book. Anyways, it was it was quite beautiful. To me, that's all of TikTok is me as like a 14 year old coming up with sometimes too earnest and sometimes overly silly, mostly overly silly ways of like doing things. And that is uh, and I I agree that is what social media should be. It should be more of that Uh, unbridled creativity of like 14, the 14 year old and all of us. Um, Folks, I guess let me know if you're on Truth Social. (laughs) (laughs) there isn't a single fake the nation listener and if there is it's because they went on so that they can report back to fake the nation what is on true social so anyways if anyone does that let me know i'm so i guess curious but i'm really not that curious you know because i would rather just live like it's not happening all right let us move on to topic number three So we read a piece in Wired that was an interview with Yi Jung Chung on flexible work. And apparently, um, Americans love flexible work hours. Recent survey shows that it ranks among the top priorities uh, for getting a job, even ranks higher than pay. But there is a dark underbelly to flexible working, and that is that people tend to work more. Um, Actually, a study of 32,000 German workers found that those with flexibly scheduled work um, ended up working four additional hours of overtime a week compared with people on fixed schedules. Were you surprised by this? I was not surprised. I feel like from a very personal, from from me, when the pandemic started and we started it became more like flexible work hours essentially mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i found myself overworking because oh, yeah. i there was no physical separation between where i was working and where i was hanging out and so then i felt pressure to be working 
all the time because I could be working all the time. And then it was a moment of like, oh, if I'm relaxing in this place of work, I'm being lazy. It was so weird. And when I mentioned it to my friends, everyone was like, we all feel the same way. Yeah. Um, the, the funny yeah. thing is, are is, so did you feel the pressure to write more jokes for Seth Meyers? No, I, I think my is it just like you're hours... just sitting around like like crazy haired, hepped yeah, up yeah. on Red Bull, just writing jokes until the wee hours of the night. I have like giant photos of Seth on my wall for inspiration. <laughs> um, Don't be disappointed no. in me. You're just talking to the pictures. Don't be yeah. disappointed in me. I'll do more jokes. I'll do more. I'll do more jokes. I'll make you proud. I'll host make you dad, host dad. I'm gonna do it. Come to my swim meet, host dad. I'm gonna do a great job. <laughs> No, it felt like all the sort of personal projects I was oh, doing. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Before I would be like, oh, I have a nine to six job, so you know, some days I wouldn't work on anything. Do you, do you was... now learn like Nor? You you figured out Norwegian and stuff. You just yeah, added, I you speak just fluent that. Norwegian. That's really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really yeah. Cool. I have a second family in Norway now, oh, and wow. they're all doing really well. I have a second family. That's a lot of time. Yeah, that's very time consuming. That's great. It is. Okay. Uh, that's a lot. Of, that's very... a lot of smoke. That's a lot of smoke fish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, John, does this ring true for you? Do you do you feel like you worked more? So, I mean, I don't know. You well, you're you're the leader of your you're the grand pooba of your own. You yeah, know, I, I get to, so I, I do get know. to see I get to do I do get to see this from two sides. I get to see it from really from three sides. Like because I get to be a host. I also I kind of uh, work at this at this company, and I'm also uh, uh, um, uh, I oversee this company with with uh, John and Tommy and, and a great team and i and i do think we have to put a big kind of asterisk around the pandemic because i'll tell you how i felt just as somebody trying to get through the the daily work that i had which is i had the exact same experience because i was just doing worse during the day i i was really struggling during the day um i think that there was this thing of we were working from home but we were homing from work you know yeah. and so like i i would find that i would just be in this kind of fog for hours and then dinner time would roll around and like I did what we what a lot of us did is which is I ordered in or I made something we would have a break and then all of a sudden it's like seven eight o'clock I'm sitting in front of my laptop I'm streaming something I got to do the four things I didn't do that day so I was working longer and less productive and I and I think that that was true for a lot of people and like we were like I've been noticing just in the last couple months even even though we went through this, you know, Omicron experience, like I've been feeling better and so I'm using my time better and it's a virtuous circle where and therefore like maybe once in a, maybe I'm I'm like, you know, after dinner I'm doing an hour on my laptop, but I don't feel like it's I feel excited about it because I can take on something I didn't get to but I kind of wanted to do. So I I I think we have to like kind of it's not just about the number of hours but like how people are able to use their time and making sure people can feel productive and that there's like even if whether they're working from home or they're more flexible there's like a clear end to the day right. and that part of the it's day like, is over and, the, and yeah what this sociologist calls the um the cognitive spillover you it's like you when you were going to into the office every day there was some cognitive spillover but because you were changing a physical location the cognitive spillover was more discreet or you could like be like oh you know what I'm going to just write these five emails and then that's at home and that's it you know 
and I actually started going to an office that was a, a friend of mine's company that was just kind of empty until she was bringing people back. And while it was empty, I would just go there and I was so much more productive, so much happier, so much because because I could get the change of location made it so that I wasn't always working. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turns out that the numbers are worse for women because women already feel like they have to compensate for the view that they're caregivers and that like working is the second thing they want to do right like you're you're here but you're really a mom you know and so women um have had it worse now one of the things that um the article talked about that i thought was really interesting is a theory called passion exploitation um because we are so focused on like work having to be your passion you should be really into the work that you do passion 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 that passion enables us to exploit ourselves because like well this is what i love so i should do it all the time constantly but Mm -hmm. also because employers know that we sort of operate on this like passion for work um, paradigm it allows them to exploit us uh what did you what did you think of that passion exploitation I think it is It is certainly, I think it's true in a much broader way. When we call someone a hero for doing their job, it means the job is underpaid, you know? Like, we call teachers heroes, well, that's because we're underpaying teachers, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, we, we reward, there are all kinds of ways in which we reward people with prestige. Getting a job for the government is in many ways a reward for prestige, right? Like we want people, people right now are working 15, 16 hour days at the White House for 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 not for, for a salary they could triple if they went into the private sector with the experience they have. But they're there. Why? Because they're being paid with prestige that they want. I think it's a fine line between recognizing that that's a perfectly valid <laughs> deal people make all the time there people want to find meaning in what they do they want to be excited about they what they do while while making sure you're that that there's not genuine exploitation which i think sometimes you see especially in creative fields like you see this in video games all the time like people are desperate to work for a video game company and so there's this grind culture where they're going all the time and they're not paid particularly well why because that's their passion they're excited about it so i don't think it's necessarily true that like People being passionate and caring about their work is a f- can is a form of their being exploited. But I do think that there's exploitation of people in creative and passionate fields. If that makes sense. I, I think that's the same. I think you're making the same point as the person in the article, though, um, right? Because it, it, to me, the passion exploitation reminds me of the thing of like unpaid internships should be okay because you're passionate about it and you should be grateful. And then it's really tricky, kind of like what John was saying, where if you're in a creative field, I feel like everyone at least even if you don't actually start as an intern, you start with that intern mindset. And so even now I'm like a professional comedian and comedy writer and I still have this weird mindset going into stuff where I'm like, oh, but I'd be happy to do it for free. I'm oh, like yes. so grateful for the yeah, opportunity. Yeah, 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 and then yeah. I have to have my friends or my you know colleagues or people be like, Karen, no, this is your job. Like you don't have to be that grateful. It's work and you're doing work for them too. And so 
you know, like it's a two way street. It's not just one. Totally. And um, but yeah, it is a really, it's a really scary thing too because I think it's easy to see when it's happening to other people, and it's much harder to see when it's happening to yourself. To yourself, yeah, yeah. And yeah. also the, it, and also it's a, we're operating out of fear, right? Because we're like, if right. we don't do this thing. Um, for free, um, what are we potentially missing out on? You know what I right. mean? Like, what else could it? Well, if I do this one thing, then maybe like five other things will flow from it or whatever that will also prob- probably not be paid. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like it, it, it just kind of leads to like more and more of, of things that you that you have to be stressed about. Um, and the, the, the other thing that I thought was really interesting was that we are now seeing a bunch of people go back to the office um, and the people that are going back are majority white male and heterosexual, which leads to this kind of like two-tiered market where people were working from home, according to the sociologists, are going to be penalized. And those in the office are going to get the promotions, um, the better projects, and perceived more favorably by managers. And I have to be honest, if I was a manager in that situation, I can't imagine not being influenced by the fact that I'm seeing someone every day at the office versus I'm seeing, you know, I'm seeing someone on Slack or on Zoom, right? Like it's completely different. Having a little bit of that social connection with someone, uh, influencing you and how you assign projects or whatever. I I mean, does this ring true for the two of you? Yeah, I think think that that's something you have to be really careful about. Uh, Like people are not... (laughs) I think sometimes I think there's a certain kind of like intellectual trend um, around work from home versus the office that I think is uh, uh, a little bit off because it's produced by writers. Uh, Writers do most of the writing and (laughs) writing is a (laughs) writing is a very specialized kind of work that is best done alone. Uh, that requires a lot of solo time and uh, can be obliterated by meetings. Like I know that like when I'm in a writing mode, it's like I have a I have a, I have a 1030 meeting and a 230 meeting. I'm not writing today. That's done. Hmm. I got I got I got a meeting, then lunch, then a meeting. That's the day I'm fucked. Um, and so I think writers have a lot of outsized influence on 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 how this conversation about the office unfolds. People are not cogs in a machine. They are complicated. They they build people build relationships. Their frictions build when you have a job. It is inevitable. Disagreements are good and happen all the time. People have egos. Disagreements produce like kind of ego clashes. And the little bit of life when somebody says, "Oh, that's a cool sweater," or "I'm going to get coffee. You want a coffee?" Like those things are. I th- are I think we learned during the pandemic more important than we realized. And so if you're going to have a situation where some people are fully remote and some people are coming in more, you just be really cognizant of the fact that you're getting all of that time, that, spe- that in-between time, those kind of human moments with certain people that you're working with and not with others. And you just have to make sure that you're not allowing that to influence how you evaluate the work that somebody working from home is doing. But like, I know that one thing that like as someone who thrives being around people just interpersonally and as somebody trying at Crooked Media to make sure we have a inclusive, collaborative, optimistic, hopeful, excited culture, I cannot wait 
until we can get people back at least like three days a week, uh, as many people as possible. Because I feel like I know, you know, one thing that um, last thought I've been rambling, but one, the, the image that has always stuck with me a little bit about the pandemic was um, working remotely was a bit like a firefighter pointing a nozzle at the at a fire on their screen. <laughs> and saying I've never I've never felt more productive. <laughs> like I think that there's a lot of people, a lot of companies where people felt productive, and yet there are problems that fester. There are issues that don't get resolved. There are long simmering tensions or or organizational challenges that just keep going because there's something real, and it's not just about ideas at the water cooler. It's human connection that yeah. happens when people are together. Yeah. No, yeah. completely. Um, and I uh, it. I love that point and also seeing it from a managerial perspective. Um, the last thing I want to point out that the article mentioned this. So I'm a mom uh, and right. And I read this thing in here that I just thought was like fucking crazy. Are you guys parents? No. Yes. I'm no. Not. no. Just, no. A, okay. just a dog. Just right. a dog. Just right. Got you. Um, so then uh, I knew this about you already. But anyways, I didn't want to assume <laughs> even though I know. OK. Um, I have one dog that I know of. <laughs> Come on, come on. That was a good joke, everybody. Hey. Um, So here's the thing that I thought was crazy. Full-time working mothers spend more time involved with their children than housewives in the 1960s because of the phenomenon of intensive parenting, which is exacerbating this flexible work disparity. Yeah, I like none of this shit really applies to me because I've been flexible working forever. I'm a fucking comedian. okay? but um, (laughs) but (laughs) this thing like I work full time. I work a a gajillion hours. Um, I'm tired always. And I now have added to that is this toddler who I'm like, yeah, this bitch needs to be in ballet. She needs to go to martial arts classes. She needs to fucking <laughs> know a ton of languages. Um, I got her. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. I and I can see this. I am doing this. I am being spending more time with my child than a housewife in the 1960s. And it's crazy. Um, and I guess my question for the Faith Asian audience is tell me how to stop <laughs> <laughs> is there a way I can stop but still somehow steer my kid to having a great future uh, that's the question just a quick little question just send me your one and two line answers with the solution <laughs> for that um, but uh, alright folks that is the end of the show oh my god panel you just outdid yourselves. I mean, I fucking oh, wow. thought you were really excellent. Yeah. You know, I don't say what? that to every panel, nearly all of them, but not all of them. Uh, so you're really. <laughs> isn't um, isn't outdid yourselves a little bit of a dig, though, on some level? Doesn't it work? Doesn't it? Isn't it on some level a, a surpassing right, of lower it's expectations? Like normally, you fucking you you do eighty percent. Today, mm-hmm. you did a hundred. I will also say wow. this is my first time on the show, so John, that's just a dig at you. Right, right. Actually, it was very. So I, that's right. Thank you. Thank you for pointing that out. You're right. I I am sorry true, for having included true. you. I was. True. I I shouldn't have done that. You are. You were. You were wonderful. I surpassed lower expectations. No, no, yeah, no. John, yeah, that's yeah, a really yeah, good yeah. point. I'm writing no, your cocktails. Let's be honest. No, Please, please. Well, what I would love <laughs> is for the people of Fake the Nation to be able to follow you and all the wonderful things that you do. Uh, John, where do they do that? You can follow me on uh, 
on Twitter at John Lovett. But more importantly, I don't really. Uh, but honestly, truly, I don't give a fuck if you do or not. I actually want you to listen to Pod Save America. I want you to listen to Love It or Leave It. And I want you to go to crooked.com slash events because we're going on tour and I would love to see you. And sign up at Vote Save America because we're going to start pointing people to ways that they can get involved in the most effective way possible as we head into a real slog of a midterm coming our way. Yeah, listen, Fake the Nation, You, we've been doing races to watch um, on the show. We didn't do it this week. We're, we're, we're getting back into it next week as I collate the races. Please keep them coming. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and Vote Save America is one of the things that I have um, promoted over, you know, over the years. So it was in 2020. So um, we'll, be, we'll be back to remind you, reminding Great. you all regularly of, of uh, Vote Save America, of Swing Left, of, the, of some of the organizations that we love here um, that organize and get people people excitedly enthusiastically um motivated in a fun civic actiony way and it's it's great and it's fun and it's supposed to not be horrible so let's all do a civic <laughs> action in a non-horrible way non-horrible activism um karen where do people find you um i'm also on twitter and I and Instagram, but I gotta say it's mostly just family photos. So if you're interested <laughs> in looking at my family and personal life, you're welcome. Um, but yeah, oh, I, I'm part of a book that just came out called Eating Salad Drunk, and it's a bunch of comedians who wrote funny short poems, and um, all the proceeds get donated through this organization called Comedy Gives Back. So know that your money is going to a good place. And what was the name of that book one more time? Eating Salad Drunk. Eating salad drunk, folks. I still think you should, you know, get your beak wet on that book, you know. <laughs> um, a lot of actually Fake the Nation alum have are in that book, so that that's a great that's a great one. Um, and folks, you know where to find me on all of the things. By the way, I'm going to be in Indianapolis. Reminder, I'm going to be in Indianapolis on um, March 1st at IUPY, and it's on my website, and I'm going to be tweeting about it just to remind you. So if you are in Indianapolis, please come out and see the show. I would love 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 to see you there um and i'm announcing more dates um but i'm gonna be in worcester and i'm at the solid sound festival and all these dates coming up so um i will continue to remind you of dates but in the short term march 1st indianapolis and a big thank you to our producer danielle jones wesley who's just wonderful our sound engineer stephanie aguilar who outdoes her outdoes herself every time which means the previous time she doesn't do herself <laughs> um our theme music was written by gabby Alter. And as always, uh, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps people find the show. Email us at fakethenationheadgum.com. And especially email us with races to watch. What are your races? What are you watching? Asians. We want to get gently and enthusiastically into the 2022 midterm elections. Uh, again, join the Patreon at patreon.com slash Farsad. And we'll be back in your earballs next week. That was a HeadGum Podcast.